Entrepreneurs who have built their business with no outside capital understand the skill it takes and greatly appreciate when seeing others who have done it. Sana Commerce has been growing 50% each year for the past 12 years and now has approximately 400 employees. The secret to their success is a combination of favorable market conditions and a culture which emphasizes entrepreneurship and empowerment. We spoke with their CEO, Mikhail Shipperis, who built the B2B e-commerce software company from the start. It was hatched as a spin-off from an IT services company that recognized the need for a productized solution. The spin-off ended up being wildly successful as e-commerce has continued to manifest as a megatrend. Listen to Mikhail as he describes more about the company today as well as what has contributed to their success. Welcome to the GrowthCap Podcast, where we chat with CEOs, investors, and other key industry leaders to uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. So, Mikhail, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. A pleasure to be with you. Maybe for our audience, we could kick off with a little bit of background on yourself as well as Sana Commerce, and you can do that in uh, whichever order you prefer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, yeah, let's start with Sana Commerce. I think that's easier. So, we're a um, software company, e commerce, B2B e commerce to be more specific. So, uh, we have built our own e commerce platforms specifically for wholesale distribution manufacturing companies. And even more specifically, so for companies that run either Microsoft Dynamics or SAP as their ERP system. That's really our, our, our niche, basically, that we operate in. A strong performer in the forest of wave, outperforming companies like SAP and Oracle. You know, nice competition there. Sana Commerce has around 400 people, eight countries that we have offices in, including the US, UK, Germany, headquartered in the Netherlands, but also offices in Colombia, Ukraine, Australia, Sri Lanka, and Dubai. Over the past few years, I've seen a 50% year-over-year growth. So we might touch upon that later. And personally, I'm the CEO already for, for many, many years. The, the whole idea of Sana Commerce came to life about 12 years ago. It's actually a spin-off of a different company that was more services oriented. And about 12 years ago, we started to build our own product as our own IP and, and, and pursuing a growing portfolio of, of, of customers and also more uh, recurring revenue model. And actually, I was already in that previous services company and I kind of spun out Sana Commerce from that. So uh, Dutch-based, Dutch-born, living in Rotterdam, studied economics and business and kind of, you know, fell into this whole adventure, so to speak, already now, exactly to this date, it's 21 years ago since I joined this company and I'm only 39 years old. So that's a bit about myself. Oh, thank you. That's a great background. And what, you know, the interesting thing here is that the company spun out of an IT services firm. And we've seen that before in the past where there have been, you know, very successful products that have come about because an IT services organization saw the, the need firsthand from the client base. Exactly. Um, I think it's a very good formula yeah. because you get so much, you know, firsthand experience of what is broken when it comes to the customer. And they, you know, if you have, a, you know, five customers in a month ask you to build something that because it isn't there yet, it's like, oh, wait a minute, uh, are we going to do this time and time again and, 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 and customize this? Or is this, you know, is there a, a real need to productize it? And that's, that's exactly what happened with us, uh, let's say, around 12 years ago. 
And, and is, is the software solution, you know, completely proprietary or is it built upon other platforms? No, it's a proprietary, of course, you know, leveraging many technologies like React and, of course, running on the different cloud systems, including, including Microsoft Azure Cloud. And it, it it's really, you know, our unique value proposition, so to speak, is that we make ERP and e-commerce work as one, which is absolutely crucial for wholesale distribution manufacturing companies that want to sell online, especially because they have so much information and functionality in the ERP system that is relevant for their customers to do self-service, to place orders. So we make ERP and e-commerce work as one. So we we work very closely with the ERP systems, but it's 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 by itself, it's proprietary software, I would say. E-commerce typically is is thought of in the B2C space. Um, you know, thinking about it from the B2B perspective, I mean, how how is the kind of user experience? Is it is it truly as easy and intuitive from a B2B standpoint? Yeah, it needs to be, right? Because these B2B buyers are also consumers. So that has set the bar for them. So yeah, it needs to be super intuitive, but it's very different, right? If you are in a B2B setting and you buy from a supplier, like maybe every week or every other week, you expect an even more personalized experience, right? Because there is so much data that can be used to personalize this online experience. So what we can do, friends, we can predict already the kind of products that you would be looking for based on previous buying behavior, which you could add to some extent do, of course, in a B2C setting. But the relationship typically between, especially for our customers, between supplier and a B2B customer is much more intense and personal typically than uh, the relationship any consumer has with its retail store. Mm-hmm. You know, switching gears a little bit, you've grown the organization. I mean, that's fantastic growth to be able to do 50% year over year. What do you think has been key to that? Is Has it been, you know, tailwinds? Is it a bit of macro and a bit of micro, meaning, you know, you've had some favorable dynamics in the market, but then at the same time, you've set up an organization that is particularly adept at execution? Yeah. No, you're 100% right. There's definitely tailwind as a result of COVID now. There is extra opportunity, I think, for many, many businesses. But uh, already, I would say for 10 or maybe even 20 years, e-commerce is a mega trend. And I would say for wholesale distribution manufacturing companies over the past five to 10 years, there has been a lot of demand from these companies. So to be honest, there's a lot of I wouldn't say good, uh, just luck, but um, that makes everything easier, right? If demand is growing. At the same time, it's also a very competitive landscape. There's so many e-commerce platforms. I estimate there will be more than 5,000 different e-commerce platforms in the world with some size. But there, uh, so there's also a lot of competition. So you need to be different. You need to bring something unique. Otherwise, you will just remain one of these many thousands. And of course, I already mentioned we're, we're part of the force away for B2B e-commerce. Well, that puts us among the top 12 B2B e-commerce platforms in the world um, and even a strong performer among the top six. So give some perspective. You need to do something unique, provide unique value to stand out from all these many e-commerce platforms that are out there. And I think that was actually what we uncovered 12 years ago when we said, okay, if we want to fix this issue for also distribution manufacturing companies, we need to rethink e-commerce for these businesses. And that actually led us to the conclusion that we should make the e-commerce platform and the ERP system really work seamlessly 
as one system, especially taking the perspective of the customer, of our customers. And clearly, you need to have an organization that's able to, you know, fulfill the promise and and, and kind of meet the opportunity. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what do you do organizationally to ensure, you know, you have a highly kind of engaged and productive team? Yeah, I think one of the things we do very well is empower people. We, we, we have a core value we call entrepreneurial. We're looking for people who are entrepreneurial in a way that they, they come in and we empower them to come up with their own ideas. And we empower them to embrace change and be part of the change. Because that's obviously what you constantly need to do if you're growing the business. You, you're in a constant state of change. And you need people to drive this change and to adopt and embrace this change. So therefore, I think what we have done very well from the beginning is, is, is bringing people in, empowering them, saying, okay, you are, you know, you know so much about marketing or you know so much about a specific region and really giving them the confidence, the tools, but most importantly, the responsibility to take matters in their own hand, basically if that makes sense. So our core value of entrepreneurial and, and personally, I'm also an example of that, I would say, because you know I, I joined this company, like I said, 21 years ago when I was just 18 years old. And at some point, I also was given the responsibility to some extent determine the direction that the company was going in and eventually led to Sana. And that's what we continuously doing to really give people ownership of, of, of their own part of the organization. And and as you kind of in the earlier days, as you were scaling, you know, spinning out and, and scaling the organization, was this completely bootstrapped or did you have some capital? Bootstrap in the sense that, of course, our services part of the business was generating revenue, or cash basically. And for uh, many, many years, we used the profits we made on the services side. We invested that back in the product. So we never took outside capital. That's phenomenal when you can kind of make that happen on a on a standalone basis. Yeah. And so do you think, you know, for the foreseeable future, obviously you have, you've got the tailwinds, you've got a strong organization that you can continue to grow at this accelerated pace. Um, you know, are, are there certain things that you think may be challenging in order to kind of meet, actually sustain that the high level of growth? Yes, it's, it's a good question. And actually, it's a question we're asking ourselves almost on a quarterly basis. It's so hard to predict how everything is, is changing, right? And how fast, you know, what opportunities may arise. So let's say I don't anticipate anything for 2021 in terms of outside capital, but we are always challenging ourselves. If we would bring in capital, could we go faster? And we will continue to do that. So um, I, I kind of think I know for the foreseeable future, but it's constantly on the agenda. Maybe there's an opportunity to do a nice acquisition, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of acquisitions going on in e-commerce and there are a lot of technologies that could complement our offering. So it's definitely something that we discuss. And if the opportunity arises, maybe that would be a good point to you know, look for such an opportunity or, or take that direction. For now, it's not on the short term, it's not on the agenda. And we talked about, you know, COVID-19 a, a moment ago, you know, how has it uh, just to get a little bit more into that, you know, we've seen how it's impacted on, on the B2C side and, and presumably the B2B is kind of the, you know, earlier part of that kind of chain of events, you know, in order for the B2C to meet their demand. How has it impacted, I guess, the, the market in, in a more specific sense uh, in, in, in what you do? And then, you know, maybe even has it impacted your organization, like how you operate? 
Yeah, and of course we get this question a lot. This is uh, this is the top conversation at the coffee machine, and when talking with other entrepreneurs, like how's your business impacted? And and my answer is uh, at the moment it's it's a mixed picture. So at one hand, we see companies that are are heavily impacted or have had factories that have been shut down for a while. And some of them are reluctant to make big investments now. At the other side of the spectrum, there are companies that now much better even understand the value of B2B e-commerce and the and the absolute need for their business to go online. I heard I had a conversation with a customer and they said, you know, our way of selling is is going on site, visiting our customers, and and that's how we sell. And we cannot do that. And it's and you know, in the foreseeable future, we 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 already they already got letters from some of the customers saying, "Hey, we're closing the office for at least the, until the end of the year," so they need something else. So they accelerated their decision on investing in their digital channels. So it's a mixed picture. Some are heavily impacted, saying, "Okay, we stick with what we have. We're not investing at the moment." Other customers are really speeding up and seeing the opportunity. There are many many wholesale distribution manufacturing companies that have been thinking about selling online or investing more in the B2B e-commerce channels, but didn't so far, being a bit more conservative maybe, and uh, that now say, okay, now COVID is the trigger event for them to uh, really put it on top of their priority list. So really, it's a it's a mixed picture. And at the moment, it's kind of balancing balancing out for us. And how long would it take if you know, and it's a, it's a bit reactionary, you know, from the pandemic for an organization, you know, presumably sizable organization to say, okay, now we're going to try this, you know, B2B e-commerce and implement it. If, if they were to do that, how long would it actually take to be up and running? Well, we can do it within two weeks. And wow. Uh, yeah, but, and, 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 and it's even more wow than you would guess, because of course you can put any e-commerce platform probably within a number of minutes, you swipe your credit card, you can have a e-commerce platform running. However, our approach is different, right? We make ERP and e-commerce work as one, which makes this more complex because we need to have these APIs and, and, and make them work with the ERP system. So that makes it a bit more challenging. So it's not a five-minute process, but we have done it, especially in COVID times where some of our customers pivoted and they suddenly started to manufacture hand sanitizers. And they told us, right, we cannot you know, process all these orders in the old school way. So yeah, we can do a two-week implementation fully integrated, seamlessly integrated with their ERP system. So to be honest, it, that is pretty wow. You know, now, you know, switching back to, you know, how you've built this organization and, and kind of the growth dynamics and you're, you know, relatively young, you know, just, you know, in terms of the the universe of, of CEOs out there and, and you've been able to accomplish, you know, quite a bit, you know, what has helped you, you know, either, you know, kind of mindset wise or just, you know, how you think on a, on a day-to-day basis, what do you think is, has most helped you kind of, you know, get to where you are today? I think and what I hear from the people around me is being super open to feedback. So not, not being the CEO that thinks he knows it all, right? When it comes to the decision-making, I, I really rely and, and I, I'm very lucky to have a very talented people around me and I very much rely on them to make decisions. In the end, I need to make the decisions, of course, but I value their opinions quite a bit. I appreciate the feedback and I get, and ju- not just from my leadership team. 
actually for from everyone in the organization, especially the people on the front lines, right? The people talking to the customers. I want to hear, and that's also the culture we have built. I want them to speak up when they hear something that's valuable and it can really uh, make a big difference to, to our strategy. So I think the being open to feedback on the level of, okay, what's what's the strategy we're pursuing, but also for, for personal development saying, hey, what can I improve as a CEO? I recognize that in order to be a successful CEO in three years' time, I cannot be the CEO that I am today, right? So I need to learn. I li- need to listen to these people and and figure out what I need to change in my in my practice and my approach to uh, still deserve to have the CEO title in three years' time. I think that that's what will keep challenging me if we want to keep being on this journey of growth. If that makes sense. And is there someone you know either personally or professionally that you've you've worked with or observed from, you know, in, in, in the past where you've said, you know, that person is a model for me that I'd like to, you know, kind of acquire uh, some of the traits that they have and the way they, you know, they lead and, and work with others. I think from a personal level, I would say it's not very, how do you say, original, but I think my parents really taught me to work hard. And that's definitely what is needed, right? I think I got where I am today by working hard and wanting to you know, do well in, in, it didn't matter what I did, right? You want, I wanted to be very good, preferably the best at it. And, and, and on the more business perspective, as you asked, well, I told you I was just 18 years old when I joined this company. It was just a part-time job. I was still studying. And one of these founders really took me under his wings and I learned a lot about him, a lot from him. And I think the key thing for me was is to again to empower other people. We say in our company, if you're if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. That's something that we live by still today. And that's why people join us. They love to take get this responsibility and not be stuck because they don't have the age or the experience. If they prove they can do something, if they if they want to be challenged, well. This is the place for them. And I think that's a kind of culture that we have built, that we have learned, that I have learned or inherited from him. And that's now a really part of our uh, culture. And I've seen him doing uh, doing it with me, right? He was pushing me all the time to take responsibility, to go outside of my comfort zone. That's one of the ways now I think many people joined us and and felt this and, and st- stuck with us and are now you know, our leadership team is also pretty young. Many of them grew up within our company because of this attitude and culture that we've built. Oh, that's really interesting. So, you know, it, it hints to, you know, a great retention strategy. If someone feels empowered and, and they're continuously challenged, they're, they're going to stick with you. Have you. So have you found that you've been able to have a, you know, very high retention among your employees? Yes, yes, exactly. We have, uh, like, like I said, today I, I celebrated my 20 fir- 21st anniversary with the company. But uh, last uh, week we had somebody with five and the year before somebody with five years. And we got people already from the pre-SANA era with uh, 15 and 20 years. Yes, many people like to stick around because they constantly get this you know, get challenged. And that's also the benefit of a growing company, right? You can always, you know, there's always opportunity to take on a new adventure because, you know, we're we're entering a new market. We recently opened an office in Dubai, for instance. Wow, that's a new adventure for a few people that would like mm-hmm. to re- reallocate and attack that market, basically. So, uh, yes, that's, we see high retention. This is, this is, this is definitely one of the key reasons for that. And uh, there, there's a certain segment of our audience who are, and a fairly sizable segment, who are entrepreneurs. And so this this last question that I ask, I typically um, 
you know, get some good engagement on. And could you share with us, you know, along your journey, you know, building the company, could you share with us, you know, maybe a challenging time you faced and how you were able to deal with it and, and, and overcome it? Yeah. And I, yes, and I think it's a good question considering the challenging times. I mean, we're, to be honest, very lucky to be in the e-commerce space. I know not all the entrepreneurs are that lucky, right? I know many businesses are impacted and that, yeah, that makes me think back of 2008, of course, with, you know, the crisis that, that started around that time. And I remember us underestimating the impact that it would have on, you know, our business because we thought, you know, we're online, we're the online business that companies will continue to invest in e-commerce and, and such things. But we learned the hard way that that wasn't really the case and big big companies got impacted and they significantly reduced their investments. And because we're just a services company, we got impacted quite a bit. And it was, But that was also the triggering event for us, rethinking our business, say, hey, do we want to be this dependent on, you know, on customers' New Year's budgets, right? And that also start, get, got us to start thinking about having our own IP and building more a recurring business model. And around that time, we had a tough time. We had to take some measures to keep us in the safe zone. But also, we put our best people that we had in building the Santa Commerce product. And that's now by far the biggest part of our, our overall business. The services business still exists, but Santa Commerce is a few factors bigger. So, you know, what I would say as encouraging words, for, especially for the entrepreneurs who might face a tough time now, is out of these hard times can come, you know, great, great things. I think many more big successful businesses uh, started around 2008. But of course, you you need to be smart, but you also maybe this time need to be bold. These are, this is a great time probably to hire great talent. So there's definitely also an opportunity while this is a, a tough time for, for probably, I can imagine for many entrepreneurs as well. Looking back on it, 2008 was a very tough time for us, but the best thing that could happen because it was a wake-up call, we changed things. We put a lot of risk also. We made, we took a big risk putting our best people in developing the Santa Commerce product, but it worked out really well for us. So that hopefully that inspires other entrepreneurs who might listen to this podcast. Well, that's a, a great note to, to end on, you know, facing a tough time and the willingness to take the risk to seize uh, potentially an even bigger opportunity, which you've successfully done at, at Sana Commerce. So, Mikhail, thank you um, so much for your time. Uh, I know this conversation will be very insightful for our audience. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me again and hope to be of help to some listeners. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you.